First Chronicles chapter number 21, starting at verses number 22. The Bible declares, David said to Arana, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Arana responds to the king in verse number 23, and he says, take it, my Lord, the king, and use it as you wish. Arana said to David, I will give the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing boards for wood to build a fire on the altar and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you. But King David replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have caused me nothing. Father, now in Jesus' name, once again, thank you for an opportunity to share the word of God to the people of God. Hiding myself now behind the cross that many may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg, but all honor, all glory goes to you. I love you and I appreciate you, God, now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. We begin a new series of thought on last week simply entitled the life of a worshiper and I'm telling you this message has really been challenging my spirit it, I, I've been enjoying the study of it and and as I was just kind of navigating through the word of God and just kind of meditating on what it was that God was saying to us um, I thought originally when I started studying it that God was just trying to provoke us to, to a deeper level of worship but it's so much more that God is looking for out of this particular series of thought and one of the scriptures that came to me as I was meditating this week was John chapter number 4 verses number 23 when Jesus is having this conversation with the Samaritan woman and he's says to her but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father seeketh such people to worship him now this particular verse has always challenged me and always just kind of messed with my head because I have an image of of God the father and the image that I have of God the father is he sitting on the throne cool calm and collected nothing is moving him nothing is bothering him because he knows that he has everything in control I, I have this image of him just sitting and just knowing that everything is everything because he knows the end from the very beginning but this particular scripture paints a picture of God the Father that I don't often see and the, and the picture is watch this this word seek is amazing to me because throughout the scripture I look at the word seek matter of fact I did a word study uh, on this week uh, uh, just on the word seek and seeking and and every time that I saw seeker seeking, 90% of the time it described the posture of man either pursuing God or the object of his affection. Uh, just the other day, I, was, I, I lost one of my earbuds and, and I was just walking around the house and I was lifting up furniture and looking under the bed. And my wife, she asked me, what you looking for? And that's when she was saying, what are you seeking? Be because I was in active motion. I was, I was actively pursuing after something. And I could see man being in that position towards God. I can see man being in that position towards the object of his affection, but the Bible declares that in God, when it comes to worshipers, he's not just sitting on the throne chilling, but God is in active pursuit of, of worshipers. The Bible declares, for the Father seeketh such people to worship him. So I pose the question to myself, and I question the text. If God is seeking after worshipers, why is it that God wants worshipers? Why does God 
won't worship. And, and so is it, is it that God is ego tripping? It, uh, God, yes, he is worthy of all worship, praise, and adoration. But why is it that God desires worship? And God spoke this into my spirit. It's real simple, but I'm telling you today, it is so powerful. God spoke to me and he says that I bless worshipers. If you would just help me preach to your neighbor just for a moment, just type in the chat, God blesses worshipers. Yes, God blesses worshipers. As I was in meditation on this week, God spoke to me and he says, I bless worshipers. Now let me proof text this just for a moment. In the book of Matthew chapter number four, verses number eight, the Bible declares, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And he said unto him, Jesus, watch this, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So the devil takes Jesus to this high mountain and he shows him the glories of the world, the kingdoms of the world, and he challenges Jesus with this thought, if you will bow down and worship me, all of this stuff I will bless you with. Now understand, the devil is not a creator. He's not an originator. He's a copycat. He always takes what God has established and he perverted it. So this idea of blessing people that worship him, did he come up with this on his own or did he see this pattern while he was in the heavenly realm? Did he just notice that whenever somebody, whenever a being would fall down and worship God, that would live a sacrificial life, that God had a habit of reaching out and blessing those individuals that would worship him. I wonder, can you say amen right there? In the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, verses number 4, the Bible declares that by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Now this sacrifice, understand, it's a part of the sacrificial system which is the system of worshiping God. Worshiping God is taking something that I could benefit from, that I could profit from, but because you're worth more to me, I'm willing to take something that I could personally benefit from and offer it to you as an offering, as a sacrifice to you. So he takes this offering and the Bible declares, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift and through his faith, though he died, the Bible declares he still speaks. Now look at verse number five. Five says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So the context of Hebrews is faith, but the underlying theme of faith is worship because again, worship is when I have something, my time, my my talent and my possession that I could use for personal gain and I choose to sacrifice time, talent and treasure unto the Lord. The theme is worship. So when we get to verse number six, we understand that it's worship. Verse number six declares and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God. What is that y'all? That is worshiper. Worship is the intentional thought, the intentional plans, the intentional actions of drawing near to God. The Bible declares for whoever would draw all near to God must believe that he exists and that he is, watch this, a rewarder of those who seek him. God rewards those who worship him. I wonder, can you say amen to, to that? Trip with me for a second. So God, you seek after worshipers because you want to bless worshipers. You want to reward worshipers. And this, this message, I'm telling you, it's been messing with me because this is what I do, man. So 
um, I have about three more weeks that I'm going to talk about worship, and then I'm going to go into another theme, uh, another series. And what I do, I'm already studying in preparation for the next series. So the series that I just came out of, I was studying for worship during that particular time. And something amazing began to happen on the inside of me. As I began to pursue what worship was, it increased my intensity, increased my drive to present myself to God as a living sacrifice. It increased my intensity of worship. And watch this. I began to experience the blessings of a worshiper. And I want to show you biblically what are the blessings of a worshiper. Because when we talk about blessings, normally folks say, yeah, I, I want a blessing. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want a new job. I want more money. Anybody want more money up in here? Watch this. I, I, want, more, I want stuff. But there's something greater that God desires to bless you with. And we see this in the lives of people who worship God. I want to highlight Abraham for a moment because Abraham, he was a worshiper. And this is what the Bible has to declare about this man of God in Isaiah 41 and 8. The Bible declares, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, watch this, my friend. I want to help somebody in this place. God calls Abraham, this worshiper, his friend. I'm telling you today that God desires to bless a worshiper, and what he blesses him with is not just a bunch of tangible things, but what he blesses a worshiper with is closeness. Come on, somebody. It is intimacy. It is drawing near to him. In Numbers chapter number 12, verses number 6, it highlights the benefit of a worshiper of being a worshiper in Moses' life. The Bible declares in Numbers 12, 6, and he said, hear my words if there is a prophet among you. Yes, I the Lord make myself known to him in visions and I speak to this prophet in dreams. But he says, not so with my servant, not so with worshipers, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Verse 8 declares, with him, with this worshiper, I speak mouth to mouth. One translation said, when it comes to Moses, this worshiper, I talk to him face to face. Because when worshipers show up on the scene, I'm looking to bless them with closeness. I wonder, can you say amen right there? David was another worshiper. And David David understood the value of worshiping God. He says in Psalms 27 and 4, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Watch this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It wasn't just about going to church, but David understood, watch this, my God today. David understood that the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, was in the house of God. And David says, wherever presence is, that's where I want to be. Come on, somebody. David was a worshiper. Even even to the extent when he fell, come on somebody, when he slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah and he came under conviction, you know what he cried out for? He didn't say, God, don't let me lose my kingdom, God. Don't let me lose my crown. He wasn't, he wasn't, a state, he wasn't talking about popularity or his influence. He wasn't studying that. But what he said in Psalms 51 and 11, he says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit away from me. David was a worshiper, and God blesses worshipers with his, with his presence. God blesses the life of a worshiper with closeness. Worship, worship provokes God to come close. I want to say it just like that. Worship, when, when, you, when you worship, ah, some of you guys are dry in your relationship right now, and the only thing you need to start doing is just worshiping. 
Some of you are like, like, oh, man, I wish there was a time. How, how many of you guys know, have the testimony even now or some point in your life where it seems as though that you were not as close to God as you were in times past, and God has said, all you got to do is start worshiping me again. Come on, somebody, because worship provokes the closeness of God. But I want to throw in something else. Not only does worship provoke the closeness of God, my friend, worship provokes Warfare of the enemy. Let me pause there for a second. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not sure about this worship thing. I do want to come close to God. But <clears throat> I don't want no trouble from the devil, though. But I'm telling you today, not only does it provoke closeness with God, worship also provokes warfare from the enemy. We said on last week, one of the reasons why the enemy fights you is because you took his place. He was the worshiper in heaven. Come on. But the Bible teaches now that we are the worshipers. The Bible declares that we should present our bodies as living sacrifice. What is that, my friend? That is worshiper. But I, worship. But I want to take it a step further as to why the enemy fights the way that he fights. He doesn't mind you being a Christian. Christian, he just don't want you to have the power or the presence of Christ in your life. I want to help somebody in this place. And he knows that if you are a true worshiper, it evokes the presence of God in your life. You can be a Christian entitled alone, but have no presence. And if you have no presence, you have no power. If you have no presence, you have no authority in the earthly realm. So he fights, and I'll tell you how he fights. Understand that we said last week, there are three dimensions, excuse me, there are three items that, that worship demand. If it's going to be worship, there are three things that have to be present. Number one, attention. Number two, a place. Number three, a sacrifice. The attention and the focus has to be upon God. That's number one. Number two, the place. There has to be a sacrificial place that's created, a space for God. And in worship, a sacrifice, just type sacrifice for a moment. A sacrifice always has to be given. And this is what the enemy desires to do. He doesn't want you to sacrifice. He doesn't want you to prepare your place, your body for the Spirit of God to have a, a habitation in full control. So what he does is he starts with your attention. If he can get your attention off God, come on somebody, and the reality is the devil don't care what your attention is on as long as it's not on God. It could be on something fleshly or it could just be focused on your problem and there's some of you guys, you at that place right now. The reason you can't worship God is because your attention is on your problem. It's on what you're going through. When the writer said of some, I will bless the Lord, watch this, at all times and his praise shall continue to be in my, in, in good times, in bad times, my focus and my attention is on God. So David is a true worshiper, my friend. He's a, he's a true worshiper. And you can see throughout the book of Chronicles, starting from around verse uh, chapter number 16 all the way to chapter number 20, that God continues to favor him and bless him with his presence. And watch this. This is what's crazy. Matthew 6.33 declares, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things shall be added unto you. God just gives you extra stuff. Watch this. Because you wanted him first. What did, he say to, what did he say to Solomon? He came to Solomon. He said, Solomon, what can I do for you? You know what Solomon said? Solomon said that you chose me out of all of my brethren to be king in place of my father. I tell you what I want from you, Lord. Just give me what's necessary to do the best job I can for you. Give me the wisdom and the understanding so that I can serve you and your people better. And God says, because your focus is on me, the things that you did not ask for, I'm just going, woo, 
I'm just going to give it to you. Come on, somebody. There are some of you guys going after stuff and neglecting God, but the devil is absolutely a liar. You will get more stuff if you put him first. So what the enemy does, he says, I don't want you to be a worshiper. I don't, I don't want you to be a worshiper. My God, too, too funny, man, too, too funny. He don't mind you looking like it. He don't mind you. He don't watch this. He don't mind you, you, you being a Christian. He just don't want you to look like it. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Watch this. This is crazy. I was, I was in the kitchen the other day, man. Um, my wife, she was out. She was running some errands, and it was, uh, it was in the morning. So I decided to cook breakfast for my babies. That's right. Pastor know how to make Boiled eggs, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a little breakfast for, for my babies, and I'm in the kitchen, man, and I'm, I'm doing my thing, man. I'm doing my thing. Got my eggs here. Got my, my bacon on my George Foreman, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. And watch this, watch this. My, my son, my son, he, he got up, and he came up right behind me. I'm talking about like, just, like right behind me just and said, what's up, Dad? And I said, oh, 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 oh. son, what you all up on me like that for? What's, what's up like that? You know what my son had a nerve to say to me? My son looked at me and said, Dad. <laughs> I'm 190 now. You 190? Y'all know what I did? I put him in the full nestle and I choked him out. Come on, somebody. You, oh my God. You got the size of 190, boy, but there's something about this old muscle that, st that still know how to choke you out when I need to choke you out. You got, you got the weight. Come on, somebody. But there's some strength that you're lacking. And the devil don't mind you being a Christian. He just don't want you to have the strength of one. So he attacks worship, and the way he attacks worship, because again, he knows that God blesses a worshiper. What does God bless a worshiper with? With his presence, with his closeness, with intimacy. That's what he blesses the worshiper with. So the very first thing that he wants to take, understand again, there are three elements of worship, and all three of them have to be there if it's going to be called worship. Number one, it demands attention. Number two, a consecrated place. Number three, it demands a sacrifice. The first thing that the devil desires to take is your attention off of God. So the Bible declares in 1 Chronicles chapter number 21 verses, verses number 1, Satan rose up against Israel. How? We, we know why the devil is fighting Israel. Because he's, he's trying to destroy the worship of the nation. Because he knows if the nation continues to have worship, God is going to continue to draw close to them. And if, if God draws close to them, there's nothing the enemy can, he can fight. Come on, somebody. But he's destined to fail. So the Bible declares that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the people of Israel. From Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north and bring me a report so I may know how many there are. Three declares, but Joab knows what's going on, man. Joab says, may the Lord increase the number of his people a hundred times over. But why, my Lord, the king, do you want to do this? Are they not all your servants? Why must you cause Israel to sin? They, Joab understands what's going on here, that this census has nothing to do with numbering the men in particular in preparation for war because there were times in the past where census were taken. But this census has all, everything to do with David's ego. David's attention is no longer on God, but it's on his own personal strength. He says, why must you cause Israel to sin? But the king 
insisted that they take the census. So Joab traveled throughout all Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Seven is crazy. God was very displeased with the census and he punished Israel for it. Now, now let's just pause and let's, let's debunk verse number seven just for a second because uh, there's some confusion in the body of Christ whenever we talk about blessings and curses. And there, there are some people who feel as though because we're in the dispensation of grace that we cannot receive curses. Understand blessings and curses. When God's hand is upon your life, my friend, you are blessed. I want to help somebody in this place. I said when the hand of God, oh my God, when God is seeking after a worshiper and he finds that brother, finds that sister that gives him attention, a consecrated place, and the sacrifices that he demands, the hand of God rests upon that particular individual. And if God's hand is upon your life, you are blessed. Watch this. If God chooses to take his hand, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. If God chooses to take his hand up off of your life, Come on, come on. You're no longer blessed in a blessed place, but my friend, you are in a cursed place and you are open to any attack. Watch this direct attack against your personhood, against your body, your flesh, against your family. If God lifts his hand and that's all the devil is trying to get God to do. Come on, somebody. It's just to lift his hand because God, there's a special blessing provided. Watch this for worshiper. God, there's closeness when the worshiper's life. But if a worshiper loses its attention off God, the same God that drew close when you were in worship is the same God. He's still your father. He still love you, but there's a special privilege that's reserved for folks that seek in me. David's attention was moved off of God. The hand of God lifted up off of his life. The Bible declares God was very displeased with this census and he punished Israel forward. Now let's press pause for a moment. Because this is where some of you guys are. You're going through some unnecessary trials. All of us got to go through trials. The Bible declares, many are the afflictions of the righteous and the Lord, watch this, he but the Lord delivers us out of them all. So there are certain things that we must go through, but there are some of you guys that are going through unnecessary trials, unnecessary mind games. Why? Because you have taken your attention off the true and living God and your attention is on something else other than him. David lost his focus and he is now not only paying the price personally but everything that's connected to him is suffering because the king lost his focus I wonder how many of you guys can actually count the cost of all the other folk that are suffering because you lose your focus too often I wonder I wonder if you can just think about that just for a moment who's suffering in your household Who's suffering in your sphere of influence, my friend? Who in your life that you don't even know that God, my God, has given you favor with and that favor is suffering because you have lost your focus? So if I am there, how do I get back? What, what, what do I do, Pastor McGee? I'm, I'm convicted. I'm not condemned, man, but I'm convicted in my heart that that's me. That I, I lost my focus in relationships. I lost my focus in business endeavors. I lost my focus. I was mad at the world. I lost my focus with, with fleshly appetites. I lost my focus because I've been looking at problems and not focusing on God. How, how do I get back? It's, it's real easy. It's real easy. What did he tell the church of Ephesus? Hmm. He said, there are a lot of good things that you've done, man. But I, I, not, I noticed that you've, you've left your first love. The worshiper that you used to be, you're not that anymore. So what do I need you to do? I need you to return back to the things that you need to do. And we're talking about worship today. So if you've lost, if, if you've lost that place of worship, 
Because worship is more than you lifting your hands, my friend. It's more than you lifting your voice. That's a part of worship. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But, but, but true worship, watch this, it's the lifestyle that you live. It's, it's the life that you live, man. When I talk about attention, number one, being the thing that you give to God, watch this. God doesn't want to be cataloged in your life. He wants to be interwoven in your life, every area of your life. He don't want just the God bookshelf over here when I'm going through trials or tribulation, but he wants to be a part of everything. I said last week, he don't want to just be the book on the shelf. He wants to be the librarian that rearranges every item in your life. So how do I get back to this place of worship? The first thing you do is you give God your attention back. In 1 Chronicles 21 and 8, the Bible declares, then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive me my guilt for doing this foolish thing. You, you, you see what's happening in verse number eight? Verse number eight, David is giving his attention back to God. He goes on because, again, that's one element of worship. The first element is attention. You've got to give your attention back to God. Second thing that you have to do is you have to create a place, a consecrated place for the presence to dwell. I want to help somebody in this place. That's why the Bible declares, oh, Paul is so wonderful. He's such a master teacher. Paul, Paul teaches the church in Corinthians. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It is the consecrated place uh, of God. And he's such a master theo a, theo a theologian. He's such a master teacher. What Paul says before he gets to the body being the temple he says flee fornication because you need to know that your body is the is the temple of the holy spirit it's the consecrated place and when i'm not being nasty but watch this when you lay your body down you're saying to god that your temple is not available consecrate yourself before the lord number one give attention number two number two provide Provide a place. Verse number 18 is that place that David is, provides for the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the, watch this, the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. The threshing floor of Arana is the, is the future. At that particular point, it was the future spot that God would actually build the temple. So he tells David, go to the spot because the, the threshing floor of Arana is going to be that consecrated place where I'm going to, I'm going to draw close to my people. I'm done. David gives his attention back to God. That's the first element of worship. Second element of worship is choosing to provide a consecrated place. It's the second element. Here's the third element. You got to offer sacrifice. Sacrifice has got to be made. Watch this, man. Chapter 21, verses 21 of 1 Chronicles. When Arana saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. David said to Arana, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. But Arana, such a faithful man of God to his king, Arana realized the desperate situation that the nation is in. Arana says, take it, my Lord, the king, and use it as you wish. I will, watch this. Not only do I want you to take the place that's going to be consecrated as the temple, but he says, 
I will give the oxen for the burnt offering as well. I'm going to give the sacrifice and the threshing boards for wood to build a altar on the to build a fire on the altar and the wheat for the grain offering I will give it to you but I need you to see David's response in verse number 24 I need your attention in this place watch the wisdom of what's going on here David understands the reason we're under attack is because I left my place of worship I gave my attention to something else I desecrated the place of consecration I failed to sacrifice to God the things that was necessary so in order in order for me to get back to that place where the closeness of God rests upon me, I've got to worship. So what, what, what does that mean? The first thing I got to do, I got to give God back my attention again. I got to provide a consecrated place. The next thing I got to do, I got to offer my own personal sacrifice. Verse number 24, I need you to see this in the text. But King David replied to Arana, no, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours. And ooh, I'm not going to take what's yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that, that have cost me nothing. I, I want to just pause there for a second because I'm, I'm tripping in my head. I'm tripping. I'm tripping in my head because the Spirit of God began to deal with me concerning the people of God on today. And there are some of you guys, this is the element of worship that you're missing. This, this is, it's not that your attention is not on God. It's not that you're not providing a place. It's that your sacrifices are lacking. Let's start at the best base level. Whew. I, I was going through a challenging thing just a couple of days ago. It was some things, man, just kind of challenging, just troubling me in my spirit. And so as I was contemplating on those things, I picked up the phone and called and called some of my friends and it just, just reached out to a couple of brothers and it was crazy because everybody I, I called was busy. Nobody picked up the phone. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to ask people to pray for me and I hadn't even prayed for myself yet. Why would I ask somebody to make a sacrifice that I hadn't made yet? And there are some of you guys, you're missing worship because you're asking other people to sacrifice fasting when you won't. Sacrifice prayer and you won't. There are some of you guys, you're you missing worship because you're you asking Pastor McGee to sacrifice study to teach when you won't even study. Where's your sacrifice? Where's your sacrifice? If it's going to be worship, it's got to be, if it's going to be worship, it's got to be a sacrifice. Some of you guys taking it to the next level. The sacrifice is something that he's calling you away from. Oh, man. My God. I know what it's like to walk away. I know, I know what it's like. This is the next level when, when, when there's something, when there's something that's taking the place of God and God says, cut it off. It doesn't even have to be a bad thing. It's just more important to you than your relationship with God. And God says, walk away from it. It has a sacrifice. And this is what I didn't know because throughout my years, throughout my years of serving the Lord, that there, there, there are things that I have been entangled with and, and people that I have been entangled with and opportunities I have been entangled with. And, and on the outside, it really did look like it was God. But I heard this voice say, drop it, Greg. But God, look at all the good that could come out of this if I continue to pursue it. Drop it, Greg. But Lord, you don't understand. If I stay in this, how it will benefit my family and benefit the... Greg, walk away. The reality is it wasn't about the benefit for the people. It wasn't about the benefit for anything else. It's that my heart was tied. God saw the tie. And if you continue to stay there, that tie is going to strengthen. And in just a moment, in just, in just a moment... 
it's going to desecrate the place of consecration because there won't be room for me. Things that I had to walk away from. And in walking away, it was an act of worship. God had my attention. He had the place of consecration. But now he's saying, sacrifice. Sacrifice. What is it that God is asking you to sacrifice? What is it that God is asking you to walk away from? That's so hard for you to walk away from. Here's the flip side of that. <laughs> There's nothing that I've walked away from that God hadn't blessed. I'm talking about the type of blessings where he blessed your socks off with your shoes still on. <laughs> but it was so hard at first because all I could see what was what I was leaving. But I'm telling you right now, every great man and great woman of God that he's going to use mightily in the earth, he's always going to challenge you to sacrifice something. Abraham, he's going to challenge you, sir. Give up your Isaac. Mary, he's going to challenge you. Sacrifice your body. Joseph, he's going to ask you. Sacrifice your reputation. But God, I'm finna marry somebody who folk think cheated on me. Sacrifice your reputation and bring up my, my son. He's going to ask you, Moses, sacrifice your plush life. I know you're a prince in Egypt, but I'm calling you to something greater. And in order for you to grab a hold of what I have in store for you, you first got to leave what you already know. Paul, I'm asking you to sacrifice. Sacrifice what? Sacrifice everything that you thought you knew about religion. And Paul said, everything up until this point of, up, up until the point of Christ in my life, I counted as dung. What is he saying? I sacrificed it. And in my sacrifice, it was, it was worship. Even when we get to the point of, of giving, whether we're talking about tithing or whether we're talking about offering, it, it is giving is not a, a part of the service. Giving is worship in itself. It, it is the service. It, in, every, in every essence of it, it's, it's just another sacrifice among sacrifices that God asks us for. Father, this is something that I, I have that, that could bless me, something that could, I could gain personal credibility I could I could gain influence I could do this I could do that but I'm choosing to offer it to you as a sacrifice he's asking for your life the scripture declares I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your your complete self living sacrifice what is that my friend it's worship here's the benefit and I'm done if you choose to worship him, God has a habit of blessing worshipers. What does he bless them with? He blesses them with his presence. He blesses them with closeness. There are certain things that you'll walk away from that people will mock you for, and I've been there as well. They talked about me. I've had friends say, oh, you, oh, you, you too good for us now. You, no, 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 no. I walked away, but watch this. I walked away from them, but I drew closer to him. And the closer I got to him, the less I missed what I used to have. What is he asking you to sacrifice? I'm telling you today, whatever it is God is asking you to walk away from, the presence, the peace, the joy, the intimacy with your father is going to be worth it. 
He looked at Abraham and he says, he's my friend. He looked at the worship of Moses and he says, this worshiper, those with the little prophetic gift, those who think they walk in the prophetic offering office, oh, I just talked to them through visions and dreams, but, but the worshiper, <laughs> I talked to him face to face. I wonder what God has in store for you if you'll worship him. Father, now in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, I minister this message with no, no, no condemnation at all because we're all in need of your mercy and your grace every single day. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, now to touch my brother's heart that's listening to me now, that's watching. Touch my sister's heart now. struggling to let go but God if she let it go Lord if he walks away the experience that he'll have with you God will be second to none somebody that's watching me right now when you've been on the you've been on the borderline of a relationship with Jesus Christ you know the story of the passion and 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 you you could lead you could intellectually lead somebody else to Christ but you yourself have never acknowledged him as Lord and Savior. The plan of salvation is easy if you'll confess him as Lord, if you, will, if you will ask him to be the Lord of your life, if you ask him to be your Savior and be the substitute for the sacrifice of sin in your life, he will save you now. He just asks that you sacrifice yourself to him.